Welcome to the United States Southern Command Women, Peace, and Security Breaking Barriers podcast. In each episode, our guests from the Defense and Security Forces in Latin America and the Caribbean share powerful stories and provide valuable insights about gains being made to recognize women as equal partners in preventing conflict and building peace. This is the goal of the U.S. Southern Command Women, Peace, and Security Program and the goal of the Breaking Barriers podcast to make the invisible visible. Our host of the Women, Peace, and Security Breaking Barriers podcast is Ambassador Jean Maines. While Ambassador Maines is on special duty, the host for this episode is Lieutenant Colonel Julia Turner. Lieutenant Colonel Turner has served in the Air Force for over 24 years, has been deployed to Afghanistan and Bosnia, and currently serves as the Chief of the Women, Peace, and Security Program here at U.S. Southern Command. Without further ado, here is your host, Lieutenant Colonel Turner, over to you. Welcome, everyone, to Breaking Barriers podcast, where our goal is to make the invisible visible. Today's distinguished guest is the Honorable Krishna Mathura, Minister of Defense of Suriname. Minister Mathura served in the Suriname National Police Force for over 34 years, and during this time, she was appointed the National Representative for Suriname to the Inter-American Drug Abuse Control Commission, CCAD, from 2010 until 2015. Honorable Matura is a graduate of the National Defense University and the FBI Academy in Washington, D.C., and clearly a senior leader in Breaking Barriers. Welcome, Minister, to our podcast. Thank you. It's a privilege and honor to share my experience with you all. Thank you so much. We're so excited to have you here with us today, and it's my honor to hold this conversation on behalf of Ambassador Mainz. So let's get started. Would you please tell us a little bit about yourself and share some of your experiences as a career police officer now serving Suriname at the highest levels of security and defense? It's an honor to share my experience. I have uh, worked for the police force 38 years now, and um, it's a great experience. I have learned a lot. And um, yeah, it's not an easy job. I think uh, for anyone serving in security institutions in the Suriname Police Force, but um, I think it's worth doing it. I enjoyed working in peace and security. There is discouragement. I started my career with discouragement. The first thing I did when I was at the police academy, um, someone asked me if I would succeed at this police academy. And that was the challenge that I get from the first moment to show people that, you know, I'm able to do that. So I was confronted with discouragement old stock beliefs about women within the security force, a lot of negativity about the reproduction role of women. My personal story when I was pregnant as a woman within the force after finishing my police academy, people asked what I was doing within the police force, producing children or serving the community. There were my personal stories. And what I did was I focused on my goals, on my success, and keep going. And at the end, it's your attitude, attitude of integrity, insistence, sustain, keep your focus on your goals, invest in your skills, especially your communication skills, 
and gain knowledge. And that's my um, experience within the force. And at the end, it will improve your uh, belief system, your self-confidence and success is, I think, uh, uh, for you within the police force. I have done not only administrative, but I was in charge also for uh, serious crime and organized crime. And uh, I worked with international, with many uh, organizations and many countries. And that was a great experience. As police women, you have the opportunity to learn your society, to learn uh, what's in and and different cases on all levels within the society. So it's a great source of knowledge and experience within the force. And the main thing within the police force is that you are contributing to uh, safety and security. And I think that those are the conditions for freedom. And freedom is very important. We have seen within this COVID time, COVID pandemic time, how important freedom and how important safety are. And I think if we are contributing to freedom, that we are uh, uh, allowing people to enjoy their human rights. So that was my experience within the force. Well, very wonderful. Thank you for, for sharing it and to have the courage to break this old quote-unquote paradigms that we're still, you know, moving, trying to move the needle and have people understand that talent has no gender, that this contribution that you wonderfully said about security and defense to facilitate the condition of freedom, those individuals doing the work in and out, it's they're more than their gender is their passion for our countries, the passion for security. So I can hear that in your testament. And then also not only being a public servant, but being a mother, which I share with you. And, and you know, it's, it's a whole different experience, but it's part of the woman experience in uniform. And I appreciate you highlighting that that did, that did not stop you for coming to the highest levels and serving for 38 years. Wow, it's a lot to look up here up to for sure. Um, so then in this piece that we just talked a little bit about contributing to security conditions of freedom, empowering the population with so many years of service, 38 years of service to Suriname and its population. What has been your role in empowering communities and individuals in particular here for women and girls? Anything you like to share? Yes, I think uh, we as women has uh, uh, a role, a pioneer's role. And we have a responsibility to do our job in a, in a very good manner. We have to leave an example for other women, but also we have to empower other women within um, the security forces. We have to create a path for those women, create opportunities. We have to work on their belief system. And that I have done. One important thing when I believe in is that um, we should train women and make them capable. At the end is the capacity, it's not the gender role, but it's the capability of everyone, each and every one, which makes someone capable for doing uh, a good job and, and having good results and uh, having uh, uh, performance. And that is the thing that I have done. I have uh, encouraged people also from do invest in yourself. Um, don't don't um, adjust yourself in a male-dominated culture. 
don't impress someone, be one of them or, or, or change yourself to impress someone. No, don't do that. Be who you are, be unique, accept the difference and invest in your knowledge, your attitude and your skills. That will improve your self-confidence and those are the attributes of success in life. I agree. Thank you so much. It's very inspiring, this this perspective of self-investing, right? Sometimes I think, unfortunately, some of us women, in, in, in especially in uniform, can be uh, sometimes self-defeating because there's so many paradigms we're trying to break and we cannot subscribe to these ideas that we cannot do it. You know, I mean, why are you entering the, the police force if you're pregnant, if you're going to have children or someone asking me that what's going to happen with the good fight if every woman in the military uh, were to have children? And uh, the truth is nothing. The the investment and potential of the human capital, it's it pays off. And once societies understand that, it becomes much easier and, and safer and secure for everyone. So thank you for sharing that. Truly believe in this uh, investing in yourself and believing in yourself and being authentic. So now, um, going a little bit more on your personal experience, I wonder, you, you did mention about the proximity to the community, being a, a, a police officer, right? So is there a personal story or anecdote that you could share with us about this working close with the community as a woman in security and defense and creating a positive impact. Any personal story that you can remember for your long career of service to Suriname? Yeah, there are many stories, many, many, many stories um, in my long career. I think uh, one of the stories that uh, had an impact on me is that um, when I was in charge of uh, safety within the um capital of Suriname, Paramaribo, then um, we had to keep order and we had a great festival. And I think uh, one of the paradigms that was that being in a leading uh, position, you have to stay in your office and lead from there. And I uh, choose to go to the field and be with my police officers. And that was such a paradigm shift because the people itself never believed that uh, assistant commissioner of police were on the fields and the streets uh, patrolling with their uh, officers. And that was a paradigm shift. And that was so... Um, a great moment with people came to me and hugged me and there were officer colleague officers who were trying to protect me at that time because they don't wanted that uh, my uh, personal um, safety would be in danger my personal um, uh, I would be in danger but I think let it go because being in a position of leadership in a security force you don't have to stay in the office People want to connect with you and you want to engage with the community. Well, that That is wonderful. And, you know, I must say that we fully agree with that, not from a personal perspective, but really as a whole here, uh, the Department of Defense of the United States, we have a framework for the for women, peace and security. And we have defense objectives. And one of the defense objectives specifically addresses role modeling. And this leadership of, for instance, you leading from the front 
in, in, in role modeling this leadership, in showing that women in uniform must be operationalized, not behind a desk, but in the front leading and being part of this engagement to really promote the security and defense. So, I mean, this is a wonderful story. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's inspiring. And really all of us, men and women, ought to be leading from the front. So thank you. Uh, also, as part of what we do here at United States Southern Command, we we examine our current threats to security and defense through gender perspectives. And that is simply to maximize mission effectiveness. We have to look at gender perspectives. And that includes looking at the victims, men and women, perpetrators, men and women, law enforcement, men and women. But for this particular conversation, women in uniform. So based on your experience, would you please comment the role of women in sustaining peace and security? And I think earlier you did mention something on the you know, concerns with organized crime, how women in uniform can support the sustainment of peace and security. I think from my personal experience, I have noticed that women and children are the most are the ones mostly exposed and victimized by conflicts, by crime and violence. And I think let them actively contribute to a violent, free and peaceful society. And I think from a gender perspective, we should encourage more women within defense and security institutions. We have very low numbers around the globe of women representation in these institutions. And Having more women in the security and defense will give a strong message to communities that our girls and women are equally, equally part of the society and able to fulfill in any job in society. Secondly, I think um, as leaders, we should hire people, we should promote people on every level of the organization. Because if Women and children are mostly exposed. Let them be part of the decision-making process. Let them be part of the organizations that are providing and are responsible for safety and security. So that's what I have to say on this, that it's very important to uh, have a, a gender equality also within uh, safety and in the defense organizations. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. What you just said, the reflection, you know, the women being having a reflection of the entire population, in our security and defense forces. We know statistically women are just about 50% of the world's population. And that would just make sense that we are integrated in all, not only in the military, but in all across the society, all organizations uh, to somewhat that that uh, that is statistics. So uh, it makes sense. And also the reflection in, in terms of military being in uniform in working with our population and creating that trust. We know that we have studied and there are there is data that says that women often earn the trust of the community quite easily because in the society, their mothers, their sisters, their daughters. And then when we see on the other side, which is always working together, the women in uniform, the politicians, the decision makers also being women, that creates trust. And, and as you as a being at the highest levels know that there's nothing more important than trust with our populations and our you know societies. It's paramount. Maybe I can add one thing uh, more. 
that um, I have noticed that women go beyond their ego. And when they take, they make decisions, they look also at the general interest, not only their personal interest, but the general interest. And they are more, more likely to choose for peace, more likely to choose for happiness, the soft qualities of women. I think we can integrate them in our decision-making process for the benefit of the communities. Yes, this leadership skill that cannot be underestimated, that's called empathy. In this field of where um, hard qualities, toughness is very important in uh, defense and uh, security institutions, institutions, I think the balance is very important, not only the hard qualities, but also the soft qualities of women to integrate them and to have a balance. Yes, this connection with the human domain, uh, anybody in uniform, we know that in managing this hard power, even if there's a conflict that uh, by the unfortunate event, we must use hard power, we know that there's always the human domain that happens before a conflict, during a conflict, and post-conflict. And having a diversified force that can relate to the population, have this various skills of empathy, of relate, building relationships, having this enduring perspective that you know peace accords and the peace must sustain. And we have seen this is again is the data that when women are a part of the mediation and negotiations that peace accords last longer. And that's a fact that's not wishful thinking. No, that's so true. The belongingness, the empathy, very important uh, issues. And again, so looking at societies where we know when women are meaningful, meaningfully integrated, experience higher levels of stability internally and externally. This is data. This is a fact. Um, so what think, taking this in consideration and the involvement of women in defense and security, what advice or words of wisdom would you give to women in Suriname, but truly in the region and beyond, who would like to follow your example and join and serve in defense and security? My message to women who wants to work in peace and security is that working in defense and security forces is not easy, but it's not impossible. It is possible. It is a male-dominated environment, but that's the challenge. Let's be the pioneers of our others. You will face tough physical activities, mental challenges, irregular working hours. You will deal with risk, but at the same time know that contributing to peace and safety will enable people to enjoy their human rights and to contribute to happier people. And that's something worth doing. Women must keep demonstrating that being a woman should never be an obstacle to be successful or to do the extraordinary. Women should never let anyone discourage them with negativity and subversion. Women in peace and security face discouragement and produce, but they should commit it to their goals. That's my message to all. I believe that everyone in society and any role you have, like a mother or a military officer or a police officer or a sister or a daughter, I think you will. You have to strive for 
being the best mother, the best sister, the best military officer, the best police officer, and share in serving your community, and serving your family, and serving your organization. You have to fulfill this role. At the end, you you want to be uh, remembered as the best sister or the best mother or the best military officer. Everyone, everyone should do that. We trying to follow what our talents are. And it might be as a mother. It might be, as you said, as a sister. And it might be as a military officer, uh, um, uh, an enlisted person in the military. And if that is your authentic way of contributing to the world, then there should be no barriers to, to stop that. And, in, and I must say, too, sometimes... Uh, some of the the arguments that I get are just ideas, you know, because it, it, it's important to always listen to all perspectives. But I've been asked many, many times, how about compromising the standards by including women? And, you know, as you said, there's a hard uh, element in the military and there's a physical element in the police force and the, and the military. And is this compromised because now we're including women? My answer is no. And I have my own you know, way of dealing with it. I, I'm curious about your opinion. No, I, I don't believe in compromising your standards. I think women are able to keep up with the standards. I think what we have to do is compromising with facilities and um, the the uh, the facilities that we have to create because all facilities in military or police services are based on, uh, you know, uh, the, the men... Uh, experience male, male is male dominated and we have to work on that but in 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 terms of performance and uh, standards of per- performance i think we should not um, um, adjust it in a lower way but uh, you, you, we we are able to keep keep uh, and work with those standards and keep those standards i think if we are lowering our standards we will, um, how you call it? Uh, we will um, the quality of the uh, performance, the quality of the organizations will go down, and we don't want that. So we have always to keep in mind that the standards are very important for the quality of service that we are uh, giving to the society and to our communities, and we want that the top performance, the top services. Exactly. We in the military and then the police understand that we must have the best teams, the best performers. There's no compromise. There's no considering degrading the mission so that we can, you know, be more inclusive. That's not the point. The point is really to allow both men and women who want to raise, who raise through the ranks, who want to contribute without compromising the standards. I don't think any woman would like to be part of our organizations if we said here, a green card, you know, just like here, you come through, it's okay, we're going to accommodate to you. We don't want that. Uh, we want to be serving alongside our our male and, and female um, fellow, you know, soldiers, airmen, Marines, police officers, without, again, degrading any standard or the mission? I think in both genders, uh, male, female, there are differences. We cannot uh, uh, ignore that. There are differences within the male society, but also in the female society. But But that doesn't mean that we have to lower our standards. Absolutely. How would you define your leadership style now that you 
38 years of, of service, really rising to the highest levels of decision making. How did you get there? Um, I think for me, it's personal is very important because as leader, you have to work with people and you have to be very sensitive with your people. You have always to care for your people, invest in your people and share your experiences, share knowledge with your people. Uh, you have um, uh, to acknowledge the, the performance of your people. But also um, working in uh, safety and, and defense forces uh, require also a strict kind of leadership also in, in situations where there is no um, room for um, democracy, for, you know, if there is, for, for instance, if there is a fire going on and some building is burning, there's no time to. So you have to be very strict and give orders at the other time. So it's very situational. And I think for a leader in this um, organization, I think mindfulness, keeping your calmness, because as a military officer and as a police officer, you will experience very tough situations where things are going out of end. There's no control. There is no peace at all. Because in 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 as police officer, you will um, see a, a, actually the negativity most of the time of the community crimes, violent crimes, robbery, organized crime. So you have to be very positive and calm. And in any situation, stay very calm. So mindfulness is very important in my leadership style. And I think I would advise any leader in top positions that invest in that as well. Thank you, Minister. I'm so glad you mentioned this aspect of mindfulness and self-control, because this is definitely something that can serve anyone serving in the military and in the police. I, I, I don't say this to brag, but I'm actually an expert in the handgun. I'm an expert marksmanship. I have the ribbon and everything. And, uh, it, and I must say that is because of this mindfulness in a critical situation where it's loud, there is pressure, but having the self-control of the breathing, of the eyes on target, of really being aware of your space and being able to, no, no other way to define, being mindful of what you're doing in that moment is what led me really to, to achieve, you know, this, uh, this, to earn this ribbon and, and, and be such a, such a sharpshooter more than anything. I don't spend hours in any range, but, and that's part of our profession. It's part sometimes of being critically effective in, in, in a situation that, that requires that type of, of force. So thank you for bringing this up because it goes from a very operational aspect of being able to maintain control in the field. Also, you know, right now in your position, being a very strategic leader that has to look at so many different things and quick to, to develop a solution and implement. So thank you for sharing that. Extremely helpful and inspiring. Um, so then, what is next? What would you like to accomplish next in the in your wide and and, and, and long career and still continuing to make an impact? That we as leaders in um, in especially in the defense force, and it's the first time that a woman is appointed as minister of defense. I think um, I have a great a huge responsibility, and this responsibility is to. Uh, work hard, uh, high standards of performance. And I think um, 
support the capacity and capability of all our personnel and reach the goals of defense, I think, and leave a, a benchmark for others within this. I think that's the next, the coming years for me. Um, but also, we have, as women, uh, the, a great opportunity to work uh, for other women, to create opportunities for other women, to invest in other women, and to promote women to have the highest uh, positions within the organization. And that's that's what is the challenge for the coming years for, for me. Yes. Thank you so much. We we have had such a wonderful time and we're coming to the end of our episode and I, I could keep doing this. So interesting and such an honor. And we have one final question that we actually ask every guest. In thinking of gender perspectives in defense and security, how how do you think that each individual, men and women, can be involved in the making the invisible visible? My answer to that is just do. Raise awareness, increase the beliefs of women by sharing experiences, what we are doing actually now. Raise voices, demand policy through legislation, adjust facilities to accommodate women in your organization and create opportunities and grab the opportunities. They are not so often. So if they come, sprint to grab it and give your best. Thank you so much for, for our listeners. What a privilege to have Honorable Krishna Mathura, Minister of Defense of Suriname with us today. Minister, thank you so much for making the time for our podcast. Thank you for all that you do for the security and defense of Suriname and the region. And thank you for being such an inspiring role model in breaking barriers. It truly has been my honor. Thank you. No, I have to thank you. Uh, and your team for making this possible. Uh, I hope that my message can inspire other women to join the police force or the security forces. And this was for me a great opportunity to share my experience and to raise my voice to the community. Thank you so much. It was a wonderful time. Thank you very much for listening to the Women, Peace and Security Breaking Barriers podcast. We hope that you will join us next episode as we share new stories and continue to make the invisible visible. This podcast is a production of the U.S. Southern Command's Women, Peace, and Security Program and the Florida International University Stephen Cruz Institute for Science, Media, and Technology. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the U.S. Southern Command or the Stephen Cruz Institute. The hosts, guests, and WPS team members receive no financial benefits for participating in this podcast. To learn more about our Women, Peace, and Security program, please visit southcom.mil and look under Lines of Effort.